To the Reset Rebel podcast, and contrary to popular belief, Ibiza wasn't always the party mecca it's known as now. And in fact, it wasn't until the late 1960s that the island became a tourist destination, with many residents switching from farming to work in tourism. And as the land became abandoned, hotels and clubs began popping up everywhere. In 1969, construction began where I stand today, on the ruined carcass of what was once a very lively venue called the Festival Club and they officially opened their doors in 1972. Buses shuttle tourists up here and today if you didn't know it was here you may never find it nestled up in the middle of nowhere close to San Jose. While here people watched all sorts of shows, dined and even watched fake bullfights in the mock bullfighting ring. But as the 1970s oil crisis swept in and took its toll on Ibiza, tourism took a big hit. With less traffic, the club closed in 1974. Over the decades, graffiti has taken over what's left of the walls of the club, with the remains forming almost a canvas for the artists who have been here and left their mark. Which is why we chose it for today's episode with a man who finds this area inspiring, not just for his artwork, but also his music. So it's with great pleasure I'm joined by Scott Gray, as many of you may know, with his creative artwork as Chapter. So Scott, thank you so much for joining me here today at uh, the Festival Club. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I mean, tell us a little bit first and foremost about why this particular venue is uh, the one you chose to record this show. I just find it very inspiring. It's got a real sort of sense of urban decay, which has been taken over by the graffiti artists. Um, But the fact that it's surrounded by such a beautiful surroundings, you can see Satellite over there in the background. Um, you know the the pine trees sort of spread out for miles in front of you. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a, a strange, quirky, and uh, I think beautiful little place. When did you first actually find it? So having lived here for ten years um, and seen many people coming coming up here, taking photographs of it, we never actually made it up here until about three or four years ago. When some good good friends of ours, Lisa and Paul, were on holiday here and uh, and dragged us up here, and uh, since then, yeah, it's been a place we've come to regularly. What stories can you tell? What have you heard about what actually went on here? Um, sacrifices, virgins, <laughs> dancing around in baby's blood, all that kind of stuff. Usual stories. Yeah, basically, yeah. Typical Ibiza uh, historic <laughs> events. Thank you for that. Um, no, only that. Do you know what? Very little about it, really. I mean, I, you know, what you said about it in the introduction, yeah, it was a place where people used to come and uh, have those kind of um, sangria nights. You used to, used to go, go to in the 60s and 70s when they'd pour those things down your throat and you'd uh, having barbecues and flamenco dancing and that kind of stuff. Um, th- that's, the, that's the place I imagined it, it used to be. So it wasn't quite like the space before space obviously actually landed on the island shortly after. No, I think I think some people kind of hoped that it would be that it would be like a, a forgotten super club where they played house music, but it was way, way before then. It was uh, it was a lot more um, mainstream. I was going to say it, it, yeah, even just from the layout with the kind of amphitheatre directly beyond the wall where we're actually recording it, you know, it has got that more uh, commercial vibe to it to a degree, and very Spanish kind of feeling as well with these beautiful, massive, great big arches. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it just. It's just it's a phenomenal place, really, isn't it? 
and uh, the fact that it's decaying and, and and has now been sort of painted up, you know, and, and constantly changes is uh, is just a beautiful thing. I like the fact, as you just pointed out, that it's ever-evolving because the last time I came here was almost 10 years ago with my father on a photo shoot actually <laughs> doing some stuff for some, some yoga pictures and I think, you know, it's completely, completely different to the last time I came. So every time you visit, it's almost like a completely new building or the remains of because, yeah, it's like an ever-moving and evolving, changing canvas. Absolutely, yeah, you have to, you have to keep coming up here to... Uh uh, to see the latest instalments. I mean, I'm looking over there in the far corner. There's a beautiful piece which perhaps we'll get a photograph of later. Um, it's just really eye-catching, yeah. And brand new, that one. I'm feeling quite distracted, actually, as a place to record a podcast. I just want to gaze around me. Every time I look in a new direction, something else completely catches my eye. But my particular favourite was the one on the wall. <laughs> it says, whoever has my voodoo doll... Give it drugs. Now that is actually possibly the best, uh, the best one yet. That's inspired, isn't it? <laughs> we like that a lot. I'm sure there has been a séance or two up here. There's, there are some remains of like some old chairs, and it looks like people have, might have had a little bit of a, a party up here once upon a time. Blood sacrifices for sure. <laughs> Devil worship. It's all going on up here. I'm slightly worried about you, Scott. Do you know what? Though, as a child, wouldn't you have absolutely believed that and thought that? I'm sure the kids that come up here, the, you know, the, the early teens probably come up here and uh, frighten themselves of all those kinds of stories because it does have that sort of sort of feel to it, doesn't it? Bit of a Ouija board or something like that. Yeah, you know, you can imagine it in one of those teen horror films, can't you? You can, definitely. Let's not talk about the Ouija board. I had some terrifying experiences as a child. But I think, you know... Um, Let's talk about the Ouija board. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Well, have you ever used one? No. No, no, no. I haven't. I'm too, too frightened. People used to talk about those all the time. Mm. Used to scare the pants off me. Mm. It works, basically. I really believe oh. that there is something going on out there that actually does or either that or you obviously influence the the direction of the of the glass but yeah I had some really weird experiences really wow tell me about those after <laughs> yes I will yes let's not deviate off the task in hand here so you know we were talking about the idea that this could possibly have um, you know been the precursor for space obviously not as cool by any stretch of the imagination but that was where you met your wonderful wife Mandy yeah in 97 it was my first trip on the island um and uh, yeah, my friends all uh, encouraged me to go because I'd uh, split up from my long-term partner before, uh, and they 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 kind of made me go. I really didn't want to go. I was feeling quite down in the dumps. <clears throat> Came, went to space, went to all these amazing places, met my now wife, and uh, yeah, followed up by moving here a few, uh, well, ten years later. Wow, I love a space love story. I think there's quite a lot of uh, you know a love a lot of love on that dance floor. Absolutely, yeah, we do miss space, don't we? Still, that's pretty good. For sure. But I think you just can't really compare the two. I mean, one is a very kind of almost seemingly, you know, amazing, incredible super club. But the other one just had so much history. And of course, high is brand spanking new. And just everything about space was a bit dirty, a bit, you know, kind of grotty and, and gritty on the dance floor. And, it, you know, it felt like a very established, um, you know, piece of incredible history. Yeah, but I guess High will do the same, won't it? You, we'll look back in 10 years' time if, if the scene's still going, which I'm, I'm hoping it will, I'm sure it will, because mm-hmm. that's also how I make my money. Um, and of, and I love for the love for the music and the clubs. But I'm sure that there'll be loads of history and people will be telling their stories, especially the younger generation coming up that maybe came to Ibiza for the first time when High was here. So, But it's got a roof on it, so it can't, it can't possibly have the same feeling. I mean, Ibiza has completely changed since the days when Space was born, when it was an open-air club, which will never probably happen again, apart from the terrace of DC-10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's progress, baby. I suppose that's what happens. Uh, you know, the, the reason they put roofs on all these places was, was, was for noise, noise pollution and locals that were complaining about it. So whether we're, we'll ever go back to that um, at night, I doubt. But there are still some open-air venues. Um, Ushuaia does open-air venues, uh, events. So, yeah, I'm, you know, perhaps they'll embrace that again soon. Who knows? Let's hope so. How are you kind of feeling about the fact that obviously things have been closed for so long? I mean, Ibiza has basically gone back to basics, essentially. And, you know, is it kind of almost reminiscent of how it was, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago before, you know, this kind of craze kind of swept into the island? And, you know, what has that meant for you? First of all, I've got nothing to compare it to with Ibiza because... I wasn't here 30, 40 years ago. I came in 97 for the first time. So, my dear, that's nearly 25 years ago, isn't it? Um, and by then, the the clubs, they were all, all of them were in full swing and they were they were properly going for it. So, I can only imagine um, that it's, uh, you know, it might have captured some of that, um, uh, those older times before before clubs. But it's difficult to say, isn't it? Because the, the people that, I, that, that still clubbed came for some kind of experience just because they don't just love the clubs here they love the vibe they love the you know the restaurants the 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 the, the nature the, the beautiful beaches we have here so um i think those people still came and still managed to find smaller ways of doing it like you know we, we did some events down at um, um tannet beach for instance that were sit down events you know you weren't allowed to dance but we could still play good music and you know, it wasn't as fun as it uh, as it could have been but you know we made the best of uh, of what we had mm. I mean, what do you, you know, what do you see unfolding in the year ahead? Because obviously we're, we're talking about potentially these openings happening again, which feels like almost like an alien concept after so long without that actually happening here. Yeah, well, literally, I've just looked on my phone about five minutes before we started this interview to see that the Balearic government, I don't know if it's a, uh, an official announcement, but of saying that the, the clubs can open from a- April. So, yeah, that could be good. Let's see. Watch this space. I mean, it feels like the whole thing's behind not behind us but excuse me but it feels like the whole thing is fading away now doesn't it let's hope this is it and we can move on absolutely you know with um pedro sanchez announcing i think it was just a week or two ago that you know he's going to start potentially addressing the possibility that that whole scenario could be treated just like a case of the spanish flu yeah which is which is it sounds sensible now doesn't it after the last uh outbreak of the c word which we won't talk about (laughs) (laughs) i just think you know you have to kind of draw a line to keep the vibes high on this podcast and it's it's hard sometimes when you go when you start talking about that stuff it just it it all goes you know you never know where it's going to go because everyone is so has different opinions about uh, what's been going on but i feel like you know in lots of ways it would be very celebratory to get together in the ways um that we used to again this summer but i think you know there's so many people now who have maybe become quite accustomed to the idea that the island is, is a little bit quieter and moving in a different direction and have you encountered much of that or is everyone just like scott get your ass back on the you know in the toilets at high please the latter <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody's itching for it absolutely gagging for it to come back i think you know um this, this island has a lot to offer as i say but what sets it apart from the other Balearic islands is the whole music scene no two ways about it you know in terms of attracting that kind of crowd mm. uh, which and, and as i say a lot of those people still come still came maybe maybe not the younger um elements of that crowd but the the, the seasoned clubbers still came because they, they love the place and they wanted to support it and, and have a nice you know summer holiday here so 
I mean, you know, you are one quarter of Melon Bomb, which is obviously this incredible, you know, creation that kind of started up back in 2015. And, you know, it obviously hit some seriously dizzy heights before the current scenario, um, you know, kind of impended your ability to keep expanding and growing. And I think, you know, I've seen you play under that banner with the um, your three merry men many, 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 many times, like over the years from Pikes to High to, um, you know, down on Salinas at the Jockey Club and you know there's been many many wonderful um, events that you've put on and it's always you know just one of those places where everyone is smiling and I feel like we all need a little bit of that right now. Definitely we all need some melon bomb in our lives for sure. <laughs> yeah listen we're, we're, we've always been about good vibes and good times and, uh, and, and actually you mentioned in space that vibe that you used to get on the space dance floor is kind of what we're all about, you know, that kind of music, that sort of, you know, bit of vocals, bit of uplifting, bit of just stuff that puts you in a good mood, you know, makes you feel like you're on a sunny, a, sun, a sunshine island, basically. Mm. You know, that's what we're all about. But that's, you know, you and Paul met while you were tiddly at Vino & Co. all those years ago as mum and dad were there. And basically, you know, that's kind of how you and Paul met. And, you know, he was playing at Space back in the day. Mm. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And, and Ben was there that, that, that night too. Uh, and then Juan joined us uh, about two, two or three months later. But yeah, no, me and Ben, me and Paul and Ben got together that night uh, after a few drinks. And I just said, to, you know, we uh, Paul had been playing at high at um, Ushuaia and at space ben had been doing really well with laura and i just started getting a couple of um um bookings for pasha funky room and i'd been booked to play that new year so i sort of felt like i could i could speak to someone like paul and say listen let's get together and and, and maybe do something but i didn't have a clue what it was when i woke up the next day but uh, i figured it out after a after 10 15 minutes what we should do the vibe we should go for and the guys were on board and uh, yeah we started at uh, started at pikes uh, in the February of 2015, and it was uh, pretty quiet. <laughs> By about uh, three, four o'clock, the place was empty, and I thought we'll never get booked again. But um, they booked us again for a, for another party there a month later, and it was also it was uh, Nick Clayton's big birthday, 50th was it maybe? Um, and he invited a load of people to that, and so we kind of had this kind of rent a crowd that were there and made the made the event kind of quite busy. Um, and Pikes, you know, saw something in us, and uh, we continued that summer, and and are still there now. Mm. I mean, that's yeah, one of my favourite places on the island. When I, on the very rare occasions that I do actually venture out, like the old granny that I've become, <laughs> that is one of the places that I I really really love um, to go and have a little bit of playtime. But I think you know, when I saw you at the Wild Corner at High in this incredible and very bizarre area by by the toilets, I mean, who came up with that idea? Um, I know that Fatboy Slim used to play in the toilets at Menu Mission in Privilege years ago. So I, I guess the idea kind of came from that. And I've heard tell that he got the idea from someone else. So I'm sure it's not a, you know, a wholly original idea. And when they were doing it, it was a, a bit grottier. The, the toilets in high are like a, they're like a mini club, aren't they? Let's be honest. The ceiling's got lights in it. You know, there aren't many toilets where the ceilings have lights in that flash to the music. You know, the, the, the toilets are almost kind of in, inconsequential, aren't they, to, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the room, apart from the odd smell that wafts in occasionally. <laughs> Which can happen when you're a little bit high at high, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
But I think, you know, the, the fat boy slim reference there, and I'm kind of like in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, imagining the toilets being like something out of train spotting, but they are very high end toilets. And there might be a slight sense of reverberation on the actual toilet seat when you're sitting down. The walls are actually shaking in the cubicle. And then you come out and you're like straight back on the dance floor. It's very convenient, really. And you don't get bored while you're waiting to get in. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, uh, and it's great for us DJs as well if we need to go quickly. We don't have far to go. We literally uh, just go to the toilet next door, yeah. What are the tactics if someone drops a stinker? <laughs> Do you know what? This is funny. Well, Did you take your own uh, air freshener with you? No, but there's, uh, <laughs> there's always a security guard in there just keeping an eye on things for us. And they're, and they're lovely guys as well, the, 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 the security <laughs> they like. But... <laughs> Making sure no one's too hot to trot. <laughs> Making sure no one does any stinky shits. No, but one of them used to bring this big can of uh, air freshener in. Seriously, I'd put it in the booth next to us and get it in his flavour every now and then. Yeah. I'd get the incense out and get the uh, get the old Paolo Paolo Samsei wafting around the room. Well, when you do restart up in April, perhaps I'll gift you a beautiful set of yogic uh, smellies for uh, for relaunch. That's not a bad idea. Although um, I don't know that we're starting in April. I think we're starting at Glitterbox in May. So, yeah, that's all I can say at this point on that. Exciting times, definitely. I mean, you know, let's talk about... I mean, I, I know that Paul Reynolds actually took a, a little foray into the world of um, making curry and incredible cooking. And actually, the man is an incredibly talented chef. And I think, you know, you guys, all four of you from Melon Bomb, have had to kind of do different things, which is quite interesting, you know, because you're a man of many talents with your art and, you know, fashion and the list goes on of all the things that you also do do and have done prior to to your DJing career but I think that's why it's quite interesting in Ibiza because you are sometimes and often you know away from everything else kind of forced to have more than one string to your bow yeah I mean Paul, Paul's cooking is incredible the food, he, the food he puts out is amazing and, he, and he's going to continue with it I think um, in various ways I think he's going to do some some um, like small private events and stuff like that but uh, yeah no he's he's, he's incredible uh, I know Juan's been quite busy with production um and he, he, I think he's been doing a bit of DJ teaching and maybe even some production schooling. I think he was. They were talking of him doing that at the hub. Um, ben, I think Ben just carried on making music of Laura, so they've been quite busy with that. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to have my art, so that's um, kept me off the streets. I hear that Fatboy Slim is one of your your biggest fans out there. <laughs> I don't know, he's biggest fan. He's he's got he's got one of my pieces uh, in his place, and he's also got one of my scarves actually, a silk scarf that I made a few years ago, and we, we, he bought it for for um, Zoe when they were together. So yeah, mm. so I wouldn't say he was a big fan, but he's got one of my pieces. Oh, that that counts, you know. There's a fan in my book. If he bought something, then he loves your work. So I think you know. You did you kind of get back into a creative spell during the last few years when you know things were a little bit different to normal and you know a lot of artists we've been speaking to on the podcast are you know either basically most of them are saying that they they didn't have a creative spurt during that period and they weren't really doing anything arty or writing books for example our last podcast guest Ben Dunwell who's just read you know written a book but he said that that wasn't a time when he felt you know compelled to sit down and really get his words down he was like in a bit of a dark hole it's really funny you should say that I mean overall the last two years have been amazing for me creatively in terms of uh, my art output and, and selling of art as well and, and the things I've done so it, it has been good but I, I must admit the first lockdown the, the, the serious one that we that was worldwide that everybody experienced um, yeah I, I kind of get that I wasn't in the mood for being super creative at that point 
Um, it came kind of just as we were coming out of it, I suppose. I, I kind of started to, to make new stuff then. And people that had stayed at home and were looking at their walls were, were, were ready to decorate them with my prints. So uh, they, I picked up quite a lot of work after the first lockdown and, and actually it sort of continued since. Mm. Chapter the wallpaper. Yeah, chapter the wallpaper. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hmm. I have actually I still. <laughs> I can imagine it actually, but I think um, you know you very kindly gifted me a copy of one of your uh, limited edition series. I've I've got it framed still on my wall in the lounge today. Which one? It's the one with the the skull. Oh, okay, with the flower and the the, the yeah, oh, nice. Mm. Oh, wicked. Yeah. yeah that, that was my first print run. Of, of, of yeah, when I, when I got back into it after uh, many years uh, of of not doing any art. So you're still you're still working, you're still creating. Yeah, every day I'm 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 you know making new pieces and, and selling stuff and commissions and yeah no it's been it's been a really good couple of years for me actually mm. in terms of that. Mm. Do you think Mandy is your kind of like your um, not just your muse but also somebody who really inspires you know the fact that you kind of branched out into the fashion states because that is a very well dressed woman. She's a very well dressed woman. Um, yeah, probably she she's you know she's very much into fashion uh, and I guess. When I first started making, because I, I used to make silk scarves, I did that for a few years, um, and yeah, she very much with with Mandy in mind actually the sort of things that she would wear. Uh, I, I was designing for her, I suppose. So yeah, knowing that other people would like it too. Hmm. I mean, I did a bit of batik at uh, when I, when I was at college actually at A level um, textiles, and I really loved you know making those kinds of garments. And it's not just about the design, but you really got to think about like how you're going to actually weave all those elements together. Yeah, absolutely. I did a foundation course before I studied graphic design, which I dropped out of after less than a year. But in the foundation course, um, which I love, we, we covered all different sorts of things. And um, textiles was was one of the things I almost wish if I had my time again, I would I would possibly have done textiles because I, I love it now. The, the, the pattern making and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. it's almost like yeah just as much fun I, I would imagine as making the actual art itself coming up with the you know the fit yeah absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of you know also wanted to talk about the fact that um, you know we've kind of reached the, the end of what many people are going through um, this month which is of course dry January um, you know it's the 28th of the month and I think a lot of people have, have you know just put in some serious amounts of, of hard work to um, get to this point I think and there's like three days left of the month of dry January but you know that's not something that you're, is new to you you actually quit drinking like how long ago? Two and a half years ago um, every year for the last four or five years I would take um August off because I just felt by the end of July I was kind of up to here with alcohol because it's so easy here to drink especially in the, the work I'm doing with the DJ and the stuff um, and so I was kind of ready to just have a break every every, um, every every August and then in 2019 as I was leading up to August I kept saying to Mandy I'm really really looking forward to my dry dry period and you hear yourself saying that you know you're really looking forward to it well if you're really looking forward to it why not extend it and at the same time I kept on my Facebook feed, like this one year no beer thing kept popping up, and not everybody, not everybody's seen it. And uh, uh, lately, uh, uh, for the last couple of years, I'm I'm into taking and seeing positive signs and acting on them. And it felt like a positive sign that, that it was telling me to maybe have a year off the off the booze. So I kind of, when I got to my August, I, I, I kind of knew that I was going to have at least three months. And then when I got to three months, I'm going to do six months. When I got to six, right, definitely going to do a year. And then just before the year was up, I bumped into a friend of mine, JP, who has Revolver in, in Ibiza town. And he'd also given up booze a 
couple of weeks after me. And I, and, I, and I bumped into him about a week before my, my year was up. And I said, oh, you're you going to have a little drink then when, after the year? You know? He went, no, I'm done. And I was like, whoa, he's done. Wow, well, maybe I'm done. I'm going I'm to carry on for a bit. And two and a half years later, I, I think I am done. I think I'm, think I'm over it. The, the further away I get from it, the less I need it. Um, it's definitely up to my productivity, my energy, my well-being. You know, and it means that I can focus on my well-being, for instance, you know, yoga every morning and meditation every morning and stuff like this every morning because of not drinking. I have time and energy and the inclination to want to do those things again with 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 Mandy every day. So we, yeah, it's uh, you know, my whole well-being from not drinking has certainly uh, improved. Mm. I mean, you look like a different man if you don't mind me saying. You are basically a, a lot leaner, and um, you look, yeah, you look amazing. You just look very, very kind of sparkly and. Um, yeah, you look like you've got a bit of fizz about you. That's very kind of you to say. I mean, people do say that those are the effects of not drinking. So, yeah, I'll take I'll take those. Thanks very much. Very nice of you to say. <laughs> but, you know, apart from seeing the one year no beer thing, wherever you saw it, the advert for it, I mean, I know very well the guys that organised that. But I think, you know, that clearly must have been something you had considered prior to that moment. I mean, how much were you drinking when you were going out DJing? Were people like buying you drinks and handing them over the, you know, into the DJ booth? Did you have a rider? How was it actually, you know, what were your summers looking like? How much were you drinking? Uh, Every day drinking, uh, not tons, but, you know, every day. There was always always an excuse to drink with, especially in the summer, as you know, everybody's on the island, so you're constantly meeting people that that are over on holidays that want to have a drink with you, want to meet you up for a, meet up with you for for dinner and stuff, so there's always booze there. It's hot, so you want a cold beer in the afternoon when when you're sitting outside. It's just so easy to slip into, and that's without my career as a DJ, where we've got a massive rider at Millenbaum, which includes tequila and gin and beers and stuff like this, and we'd not always polish it off ourselves, but we'd uh, We'd give it a good go. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was just, you know, it's just quite a lot. But you know, I wouldn't say I was drunk every time, but I was drinking every day. Mm. And, and, what, and how was that, you know, at the end of a, a busy summer when you kind of first started to play out with those big fat riders? I mean, how are you feeling by the end of the summer? Yeah, pretty tired, actually, and, and a, bit, a bit grizzled, yeah. A, a, a little bit kind of, yeah, you take you, you the shine comes off of everything a little bit, I think. Um, but that seems to have sort of dissipated mm-hmm. since I've given up drinking. You, I don't have those highs and lows as much. It's more kind of uh, more I say serene is not the right word, but more kind of stable, I guess. Mm. Mm. How would you describe the difference between the way you used to wake up feeling on those mornings after you'd had two or three or four or five drinks the night before, and then you know to wake up with absolutely you know nothing impinging your I don't know, your thoughts or your feelings uh, when you first, first wake up in the morning? I feel great every single morning, honestly, I really do. Um, luckily, I'm, I, I don't, uh, I mean, I, I, the, the sort of work I do means I don't have, have to have an alarm, so I don't have to be up particularly early. Um, but now I can, now I, I wake up and I just, I, I feel great. I, as soon as I'm ready to get up, I spring out of bed, go make the tea, um, do my list of, uh, my, my gratitude list and, and things I want to achieve. Uh, and then we start to meditate and then do a bit of yoga. So, mm. you know, and I do that with, with enthusiasm and vigor every morning. You know, I would definitely wouldn't have been doing that before. 
I mean, I, yeah, I'm only on week four and, you know, I haven't done dry January for a really long time. I always just think it's the worst month of the year to possibly give up drinking. You, you know, you go from hero around Christmas time to zero in January and you feel, you know, January is a challenging month anyway. It's bloody cold and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, beginning a new year. It feels like there's a lot of pressure to start sort of changing, um, you know, into a new person and, and achieving all the goals that you set out for yourself. And then, you like, you know, take away all your crutches of the naughty food you were eating and all the booze you were drinking and suddenly yeah it's 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 quite a transformation there's a little rat right near our food oh no oh god Get out not, of here. not in my bag oh you little like ferret it's sort of thing. okay did he eat my cheese sandwich <laughs> i love the fact that a ferret came along <laughs> Well, I saw that there's a new brand of ferret on the island that's been um, created from a, a gene therapy. They've reinvented one. I saw it on Diario's uh, Instagram this morning. But that, that was sort of those little kind of tree sort of rodents. It wasn't a rat rat. It's quite pretty, actually. Anyway. Well, I've never had a rat or a ferret come and visit me on the uh, on the podcast before, so that's, that's a first. Roland. Roland. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin <Sorry>. the gerbil. <laughs> Well, like a Morgan Mindy in a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Cotley Ryman's name for Windy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. We could continue with the apples and pears and everything else, but uh, let's let's get back to where we were, which was kind of, you know, talking about, you know, I think, as I said, you know, I've just, just got to week four. Mm. And, I, you know, I'm getting these natural waves of euphoria, actually, which I just haven't had for a, a really long time. And I, I really believe that, you know, sometimes you we know that we can get high on our own supply. That's obvious. But, you know, it takes a bit of stepping back to really allow that to kind of come back into your into your world of just, you know, just a simple cup of coffee and a good yoga class in the morning. And all of a sudden you step out of that and you feel like you could conquer the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it seems to me that like drinking is like a young person's game. You know, when you're young, you, you don't feel it as much, do you? And I think when you get, you know, th- the older you get, the more mature you get, it's just, it's tougher and tougher. And you hear that from people. Oh, the hangovers are worse now. It's harder to get over it. Well, give it up then, is my advice. Do you think you're going to continue after a month? That is my intention, but I'm just not going to put a time limit or say any bold statements that I can't keep because that makes me feel, you know, like there's there's more pressure. So I'm just going to carry on going until until I'm I'm ready to, to make a decision about how long for. But I think, you know, what's interesting for me is, you know, what I have witnessed personally um, from being here. I'm You got here just before me in 2011, but I came in 2012 and I started immediately to go back to um, my journalism career. And I was working, which is when we met, We I interviewed you for Essential Ibiza and I, I started to go to the IMS. And I think it was an interesting thing because I used to go to a lot of those conferences and talks and it's only really, and I've been saying this for the 10 years that I you know became a yoga teacher that the music industry being a music journalist before all of that you know this topic of conversation about mental health and about lifestyle of DJs you know flying here flying there bad diet no sleep and you know promoters feeding them copious amounts of booze and drugs to be able to cope with a the pressure b the terror and c just the inhumane conditions that they are you know existing in which is you know 
difficult, I think, for anybody to fly around all those different time zones and carry on pumping out the magic. So I think, you know, when we saw the death of Avicii, you know, that was the first extremely huge red flag that came out. And it was, you know, it was only really off the back of that, that the narrative of this not drinking and, you know, trying to respect oneself and have a wellness, you know, series of protocols for DJs became an important subject of, of, of you know, of discussion and you know I'm very very happy to see that evolving at IMS but I think you know you're not the first DJ you know that I've heard that stopped drinking you know you've got black coffee and um, there's this there's a lot of really you know fat boy slim the list goes on of the DJs Luciano Luciano, Luciano. yeah yeah <laughs> that's what happens after two years of uh, not mixing <laughs> not mixing my drinks <laughs> yeah Luciano is another one who stopped drinking fat boy slim I think I don't know Carl Cox has given up drinking but he never drinks when he plays um, yeah, sober DJing seems to be the uh, seems to be coming coming to the fore. <laughs> Do you think it makes you better or worse? It takes away your confidence a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. When you first step up to play, um, but once you're into it, it's fine. Um, you, the mixing's probably better because sometimes you think it's better than it is when you're drunk and you've had a few and you, you're loose. And sometimes you listen to those mixes back and you go, Oof. Um, but. Um, yeah, I think it can make you a bit tighter, but it, it certainly it certainly um, takes away that looseness and that kind of you know rela- relaxed state that you, you might have and, and confidence that you might have if you had had a drink. But it's a small price to play, and uh, you see, once after the first couple of tracks have been played, you um, well, I, I do anyway. I feel fine. It's like the band aid has been ripped off, right? This like kind of uh, slight kind of blanket of, yeah, absolute confidence, and your wings are, have been clipped a little bit. But it's it's a temporary glitch, you know. Once you get over that initial anxiety and slight sense of um, apprehension, then you're just like, you know, you're you're off. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, you've 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 nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> that um, thing you said about going out, I, I certainly had that first because. Usually, when you go to a party, for me, the first thing I'd want to do is right. Where's where's a drink? I need I need that drink to um to to kind of level me off and get me in the mood and make me feel like I'm at a party. And I I'd not struggled with it, but it concerned me a bit at first when I would go to like social gatherings, and I think, oh god, I'm going to be boring. I'm not going to enjoy it. People are going to wind me up because they're going to be drunk. And uh, I found that kind of wasn't really a problem quite quickly. Mm. Um, I, I don't stay at parties as long as I I would do. Um, because sometimes people are getting really smashed around me, but it's not a it's not a, a, a big deal anymore. Once you've got that experience, once you've you know taken a pill and danced in a club or you know had whatever you've taken and uh, and experienced those things over the years, you can kind of plug into those memories quite easily when you hear the music and when you're on a dance floor. It's like a, a sort of memory recognition that just kind of springs back. Absolutely. But I mean, you wouldn't take away, this is the interesting question, I think, like, would you, obviously, you've given all of that up now, but if you knew then what you knew now about the way you feel, would you, would you go back and uh, have quit earlier on? Yeah, no, I try not to have any regrets and, and, and things like that. I think it's, it's, it came at the right time. uh, And it works for me now. So I I was never, um, uh, I don't think I was addicted to, to alcohol. I wasn't abusive or wasn't hurting anybody. I wasn't wasting money that we didn't have or anything like that. So, no, I've got no regrets. I think it, it came at the right time. Mm. Mm. And well, how, you know, I would say that perhaps this, this you also, you've become vegan. So is that linked to the not drinking thing? Was that more of a conscious phase that you entered from not drinking that you then, you know, 
addressed all the different areas of your life or has that been something that you've aspired to doing for for always actually vegan i've been vegan for six years so that was that was a long time ago um then i started meditating say three years into that and then about after a year of, of meditating it wasn't going with the drink they weren't sitting together well do you know what i mean so i'd already made one sort of lifestyle choice and change a big one a massive one to, to stop eating meat and animal products um and 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 started on a wellness you know path that i, I had no intention of really i didn't set out to to do all these kind of things to, to you know to, to to improve my wellness um they just happened they just followed one after the other you know the, the veganism was first then a few years later you know the meditation then a bit of yoga and uh, and then and then the booze came after so yeah they, they all sit nicely together now though i must admit I just need to give up crisps now. <laughs> crisps and cheese. Well, cheese. I don't eat cheese. Do I? Only vegan cheese, and that's very rarely because it's not that addictive <laughs> as normal cheese is. Normal cheese is very, very addictive, and I, you know, I have some wonderful friends that have also been on this podcast, the the Gang of Witches from Paris, and of course, they are probably never going to give up cheese, and rightly so, and they call themselves Cheegans because they are vegan, apart from, of course, the wonderful fromage. <laughs> Cheegans, <laughs> give me strength. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I reckon I could be a vegan. I think vegan would be very tough. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. I'm British, I gave up beer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So in in essence, you know, you've given up you've given up a lot of things. I mean, you know, you it's kind of like a new you reset yourself essentially. I mean, that's what this podcast is is all about and it's about, you know, not just rebelling against the norm and what everybody else is doing, which definitely plays a part of things, but I think Ibiza will lend itself as, as that kind of platform for you to naturally tune in to yourself and you know provide a better connection so that you know you can listen a little bit more to what your body needs and therefore you know you can either ignore those messages for the rest of your days or you can actually tap in and go you know what it's time for a change yeah 100 percent. this place definitely gives you that um gives you that sort of um what's the word energy i don't know if that's the right word for it but there are a lot of people here that are into to wellness and fitness and health and that kind of stuff. Um, I guess because we're away from the from the from the grind of of the rat race, perhaps. You know, we live in we live we're surrounded by beauty. Um, it's got a, a tradition of of a, of a hippie kind of um, vibe to the place, um, and there's a reason for that. You know, it's because of its freedom, its acceptance of things like homosexuality and and of, of hedonism and stuff like that um, by the locals that have you know not only um accepted it but have welcomed it and i think i think that kind of wellness which is the which is a, a, a word i've banded about quite a lot in this podcast but it's quite a trendy thing these days isn't it to to, to use that term but it's it's definitely uh it's definitely here in abundance and there's you know there's a reason for it i guess there's a lot of like-minded people here I'm not saying everybody's given up drinking and every, everybody's vegan they're not but People are certainly, uh, maybe we're just getting older, I suppose. Perhaps it's just the older crowd are starting to look after themselves a bit more. And, and I don't don't just think that's here. It must be everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, veganism in the UK is massive now. It's really taken on, taken off over there. So, hmm. I remember uh, one of our other previous podcast guests uh, very early on in the series, maybe in the first 10 episodes, I can't remember what number it was, but Lana from the Passion Cafe was on here. And we were talking about her cafe that she had at BeFit. And she said, I said, oh, you know, what are the, because she said that she was actually leaving that environment. I hope she doesn't mind me saying, but I said, well, what were the top things you used to sell in there? And she was like, yeah, beer, coffee, and like 
cake basically i mean there was no 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 one was going for the the 10 or 12 bucks movies they were going for you know the really dirty filthy kind of spanish um you know wonderful foods that you know people are in but you know people i guess almost work out um to some degree because they want to earn the points to continue being naughty yeah definitely (laughs) i can see that yeah i've had that conversation with her before as well yeah when she said that she was selling that that kind of stuff and the all the naughty stuff yeah, I suppose. I mean, like I say, I can't give up crisps yet. So, uh, <laughs> and I still like vegan, some vegan junk food, like vegan cakes and stuff like that. So, yeah, I haven't given up everything. I'm not, I'm not a monk yet. <laughs> Working on it. I mean, please never be a monk. But you, you know, I think you could, you think you could pull it off. I think, you know, what would you, who would you say out there? Is there a book you've read or somebody you've met from living on the island the last 10, 10 11 years? Who has inspired you most to maybe move forward and really stand your ground in terms of like the changes that you have made? Yeah, various people actually. There's there's two people that I can mention that definitely are inspirations for me giving up booze. One's a guy a guy called Robin, who I met on the island oh, about eight or nine years ago. He came over on holiday and I've and he, he, he lives part partly in Verbier and so I've met him over there when I've done gigs and hung out with him. Um, and he stopped drinking a couple of years before then, I believe. And he's always, I've always looked up to him and thought, wow, you know, good for him doing that. And then another friend of mine, um, Alan Rosenthal, who's, uh, who's at, he was actually, he gave up because he had to give up. He's completely clean of everything. He, he, he's, he did the program and the, the, the um, you know, followed the AA um, steps and the rest of it. Um, and he's also a tremendous influence as well. He, he um, I always, I always admire um, addicts that are not addicts anymore I think that that you know I can't imagine what it's like because I don't believe I was that way inclined um but I admire them so much to be able to really like change your life and and get over what is essentially an illness that can that's so destroying you know it's, to, it's everything everything around you and, and you and you, you, you know the, the person themselves um so I guess those two people really inf- influenced me with the drinking the veganism Oh, that was that was. Um, I watched a couple of documentaries actually, Cowspiracy and um, Forks Over Knives, and they both kind of convinced me that uh, it was a, a good path to take. For me, it was health, and for my wife Mandy, it was more um, environment. Um, but as we kind of went down the process, we discovered that the environment, the animals, and health are all equally as important. Mm. What about Sea Spiracy? Have you seen that one? No. I, I don't want to watch it. I'm, I'm. Conv- I don't eat fish, and I won't eat seafood for you know for my reasons. Um, I don't need to be preached um, to the converted. It's the same as I won't watch films um, about um, uh, what do you call it, abattoirs and stuff like that that are trying to convince people not to be vegan anymore because I am vegan. I, I get it. I'm fine. Uh, I probably should watch these spirits for, for to get some uh, knowledge and uh, and facts and stuff about about that industry, but. Uh, a friend of mine did watch it and said it was terribly upsetting and uh you know i don't need to be uh, i don't need those vibes i, I know it's a it, it's not good for the ocean to to eat all those fish and uh and what we're doing to it so yeah i don't i don't need to convince him i know that juan corby in your uh melon bomb crew is uh yeah he's very you know he's very anti all of the fisheries and uh you know all of the trawling boats i mean the damage they've caused is is quite scary we did do an episode on the Gang of Witches podcast about that exact topic with a load of female fishers who were not, you know, they were more artisan boats. And there are very, very few trawling boats on the island that, well, that, that are within the legal jurisdiction and the rest are illegal boats, basically, that come in from the mainland and elsewhere. 
essentially pirates really like doing their their kind of fishing thing so it's it's a very interesting topic not just from the perspective of the fact that we shouldn't all be eating as much fish as we do but you know no one's going to stop fishing that fish and then obviously there needs to become more regulations involved and ways to clamp down on an island like this and you know if you do understand the page nostrum banner for example which comes on you know fish from the market in ibiza town for example you know if it's got that tag on it then it is from a legal fishery which is protected by a marine protected area and so that the you know the species re-evolve is a very complicated thing but um i have looked into it quite a lot and um it's an interesting an interesting thing and i think here there are measures being taken but there's a lot of a lot of damage being done globally that we can't control yeah i mean i just don't agree with eating fish at all so it's difficult for me to even you know think that the artisanal side of it is is equally as um it's not as damaging, I know that, but um, they're still sentient beings and we don't need to thrive on fish meat. We can thrive on vegetables, so I'm happy, I'm happy with that one. <laughs> you and your crisps. <laughs> and the crisps. <laughs> vegetables and crisps. <laughs> crystals and crisps. That could be the name of a new podcast, actually. Yeah, good idea. I think you should start it. <laughs> yeah. It could be very crunchy and very crispy. I don't have your talent, so you're... you're, you're Oh, you do have a talent for a lot of other things, though, that I definitely do not, which are huge and epic. And what is next, apart from obviously getting back into the groove of, uh, you know, being terrified and going back out there and DJing again, Stone Cold Sober, what, what else is on the menu? Well, fortunately, I have, I have been DJing a bit. We've, we've done some stuff in the UK and we've done some stuff here in the summer, so I won't, I won't be going in cold. But for the future, um, yeah, we've got um, we've got uh, Pike States are set in stone, um, we've got, uh, which will be revealed soon, I believe. Um glitter box we're back in there for 11 shows i think um we're going to be in pasha pre-season and there's um we're going to be down at the beach at tanit um a few times this summer and there's something else in the offing which i can't talk about now which is quite exciting which will be announced probably uh in the next month or so which will uh which is good for melon bomb music wise i'm doing some music production with um, mike wilson michael wilson we're doing a, an ep that's about to come out on vinyl under the name of koara koara was the name of a bmx that was big in the 80s uh they're in the the um et film as it, as it happens <laughs> so that's that's where koara come from and i'm doing a project with um dazzler damien layton um under the name of um, Mighty Magneto we're recording some stuff there so that's that should be out soon as well and art wise I'm just uh, continuing to, to make art prints and got loads of new ideas I'm doing stuff with NFTs as well um, a couple of projects for that so yeah, busy 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 I'm going to give a little shout out to the Belgian crew of my boyfriend's friends who I don't know whether they do or they don't listen to this podcast quite possibly not but Juan Corby was booked to actually play over there at their joint about eight of them 40th birthday and it never happened it was right bang smack at the beginning of all the madness so very sad but hopefully that um their their, you know their event may still unfold one of these days on this magic white aisle and I'll encourage them to come and watch you at one of those wonderful gigs that you've just mentioned amazing thank you (laughs) and uh yeah hopefully they'll get to get to have their party I'm sure they will well, I think yeah, we there's a few a few parties to catch up on. Let, let, let's face it. I'm actually a bit scared if I'm going to be really honest about what might unfold, you know, this summer because there's been a lot of people feeling a little bit I think frustrated and um, you know, like desperate behind closed doors to get back out there and I think people aren't going to aren't going to take it easy, are they? No, people are going to go nuts. <laughs> let's be honest. People, I mean, people used to go crazy anyway. It seems to me that uh, the shorter their time in, in Ibiza on holiday, the, the more crazy they would go. 
And the amount of times people have come over and friends have come and they say, we're over for the weekend. We'll definitely catch up with you for lunch. And you think, there's no way I'm going to see you. They're, they're on the, the minute they're off the plane, they're just on it, aren't they, for like the next 48 hours and they just go crazy. So uh, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of pent up, um, pent up party goers that are going to be ready to uh, pop their cork. Good Lord. Wow, I'm not looking forward to uh, witnessing the results of that scattered around San Antonio. Thank you so much for encouraging me to come up here and uh, gaze out through these incredible archways uh, all the way across to Satellite, which, you know, is the highest point of the entire island. And just beyond that, of course, is the magic of uh, Esfedra. So it's it's a rare occasion I get down south. So it's very, very lovely um, to come here and have a little reminisce about, uh, yeah, when I first came to the island and, and, and found this place like you did for the first time. Yeah, so it's a beautiful place to be, isn't it? And um, listen, thanks very much for having me on your podcast. I love listening to the stuff you do. They're really, really good. You're very talented. Please keep it up. Thank you very much. The same goes back to you with your wonderful artwork and uh, creativity on the dance floor. So uh, I look forward to to getting down to one of those events um, this summer. Nice one. Yeah, we'll see you there. Reset Rebel Coming to you every day